What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam? Welcome to Friday for Keegan and me, Saturday for you as you watch this or listen to this. Really excited about today's DFS lab. As we talked about earlier in the week, today we are going to be digging into the optimizer. Now listen, even if you are a single entry or three max player, one of the things I've talked about recently is since I started using an optimizer, I went eight and a half years not using one. I've been using one for about half of a, a little over half the season. Since I started using an optimizer, I have 70% profitable weeks in single entry and three max play. So we're going to talk about some of the reasons why using an optimizer can help us so much in that style of play. We're going to poke around on the optimizer, show how I use it so that you can get a better sense of some of the different ways that you can use an optimizer. And a lot of what we talk about here, again, is going to also apply directly to the week three slate. So if you're here for just information on the week three slate, we'll be talking about that and talking about, as always, how we build rosters that can play for first place. So even if you don't think of an optimizer user or somebody, you think of yourself as somebody who will never use an optimizer, I thought of myself that way for over eight years, even if you think there's going to be a lot of valuable nuggets in the podcast and actually expect it to be uh, one of the more valuable pieces that we've done, not only for this week's slate, but also just for DFS play in general. So with that, let's get started. One week season. Yo, 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 Keegan, my man, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm really excited to get this optimizer going and learn some things about it. So yeah, yeah. So we set you up with access yesterday. So I'm excited for you to poke around on it. This weekend, uh, late Saturday night, I expect some some texts from you, especially <laughs> on the optimizer and on the slate. But um, but yeah, so what we're going to look at today is, and, and actually, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and pull up. We want both of us. There we go. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up the optimizer, and what we're going to look at today is how I use the optimizer. Now we've got some, uh, this is my OWS account. So we got some admin stuff that you'll see, but uh, up at the top of the page, there's this tutorial and Caleb who built this optimizer, used it to win a Millie maker has used it actually as an NBA version, used it for a bunch of big caches in NBA. He has a tremendous tutorial that goes page by page and, and deeply explains what each of these pages does and what the purpose of each of them is. So this video is not intended to be a replacement for that. I would strongly encourage you to do that. So I was using Fantasy Labs last year. This year, we put the Bink machine on the site. And so there was a learning curve for me of how do I translate what I'm trying to do in an optimizer over to this particular optimizer. Watching that video going page by page gave me a 25-minute video. In my first week of building, I just went page by page and figured out what I wanted my settings to look like on each page. So that's an important thing to watch. But this is also going to show you I use the optimizer in some very unique ways. So this is going to show you how I use the optimizer as somebody who for at least five or six years of my DFS play, I've been single entry to very limited entry player for eight and a half years. I've been a hand builder. And so I want the optimizer, not just to play the math for me, but to build the types of rosters that I would want to build for hand building to build the types of rosters that Keegan and I talk about in this show where we are, figuring out how to get to a first place finish. And so I'm going to show you kind of the, the buttons that I push to get it to build exactly like this. Kind of funny, uh, I'm on the optimizer page on my computer. Now I just switched back to our page. So Keegan, I kind of felt like I was talking to an audience instead of talking to you. Usually I'm like looking at you and chatting with you while we're on this. So uh, be a little bit of a different vibe. 
But what we'll do, I, I got to be on that page, obviously, to navigate around and, and show things. But uh, what we'll do is just have you kind of hop in, ask questions, um, and, and we can kind of figure this out as we go along. Um, awesome. So anything you want to throw throw in here before we get started, or should I just start walking through these pages? No, I'm, I'm pretty um, like brand new to this, so I'm just going to have to ask questions as we go. Cool. Uh, so again, there's different ways to use an optimizer. It's, it's critical that I make this clear. This is not the way to use an optimizer. If you've been on OWS for a long time, though, and you have a similar style of, uh, again, we say this all the time, but OWS is designed for a specific audience, right? And that's why so many of you really like OWS is because it's designed for you and other people come to OWS and they're like, this isn't for me. Point being, if you are watching this and you've been on OWS, you have a specific style of play, a specific approach to roster building. Your mind probably works similar to mine in the way that you're trying to look at a slate. So this will probably be really valuable to you. But for others of you, there's other ways to build optimizers. Or maybe Zandamir is the reason why you're on OWS and his mind works differently. And he's going to attack an optimizer different than I am. So kind of take some of this with a grain of salt, but find the pieces in here that make sense to you. So first, first off, so I, I kind of got all of this set up this morning. I'm going to have a very specific player pool. I'm not just running an optimizer. So there's, you can go in the optimizer to build settings and you can have things about like how you want your ownership to look and your flex parameters and your randomness for projections. You can go over to the st team stack settings and you can decide again, all of this is in the tutorial video, but how many of your rosters you want there to be a forced stack on and how many of your rosters you want them to force a secondary stack on and how many of your rosters you want them to force no stack on. You can do all of this um, and decide, you know, how many players from each team you'll allow in these settings. And, and Caleb's tutorial shows you how to do all of this. But for me, I'm not just taking the whole player pool and then letting it build rosters using projections because that's not how I build rosters. If, if you've been on OWS, you know, I almost always end up going an entire week without looking at projections once. Projections mean nothing to me because that's not the way that I see DFS. That's not the way that I see a slate. So I don't want to just have projections running and rosters being built off the entire slate based on the projections. So again, how I use the optimizer, I am going to have a very specific player pool. So what I do, there's a couple buttons here you can hide players with zero projected points. You can hide players with zero max exposure. So once I click both, actually go to the quarterbacks, once I click both of these buttons, you're gonna see a bunch of players disappear. And all we're down to is this player pool of quarterbacks that I created. Now, we've got stuff behind the paywall, we've got the player grid behind the paywall. So this is not my exact player pool for week three. Everything we go through here is not my exact player pool for week three, but it is somewhat close to the way I'm approaching this week three slate. So you can kind of get a sense of what I'm looking at here. Another thing I want to note here is there are players, you see Josh Allen here. I have minimum exposure set at 28%, maximum at 32%. We're going to come back to this in a moment. But then there's guys like Lamar Jackson who I have at four, four to 6%, right? So the way that I use an optimizer at this point, and I've talked about this a lot this last week, I am using an optimizer, building 150 rosters that I'm gonna put in, into the slant, into the 150 max slant. But then I'm shopping through those rosters to find the ones that I like the most for small field and single entry play. So what ends up happening there is probably the Josh Allen rosters, the Justin Herbert rosters, 
the Kirk Cousin rosters. If you're listening to this instead of watching this, obviously uh, this is going to come out best if you watch this on the OWS YouTube channel. But I've got Patrick Mahomes here at 28 to 32%, and Justin Herbert at 18 to 22%, Kirk Cousins at 14 to 16%. These are the guys who are probably going to stand out to me on my single entry and small field builds. But if we go over to wide receiver, yeah, you've got Justin Jefferson at 36 to 44%, but we can also scroll down and see Jordan Addison at 14 to 18% or KJ Osborne at 14 to 18%, or Josh Reynolds at 10 to 14%, Elijah Moore at 12 to 16%. And I might come across a roster where maybe I'm not setting Elijah Moore aside saying I'm getting him onto my tighter build, but I might come across a roster with Elijah Moore on it. And it's like, oh, I really like this build. This is going into single entry, smaller field play. So my single entry, smaller field pool that I'm going out of my way to play these guys isn't necessarily the same as the guys who could end up on those rosters. And having this flexibility to build a larger player pool, think about what it would take to win tournaments with tens of thousands of entries where you can put in 150 rosters and then shopping through those rosters kind of allows you to end up on some rosters in single entry and three max play that other people just aren't going to end up on. Because if you're hand building three rosters, you're going to have this very narrow pool of kind of optimal projected plays. And you're not going to end up on these guys who are kind of in that second tier, but could hit for a big game. Uh, and this allows you to do that. Uh, okay, so going back to the quarterbacks. What I do is, you know, I go game by game a lot throughout the week. And I'm always thinking through how each game can play out and what the upside is. We're not just looking for who can have a solid score at their price. We're, we get to a point in the week where we have to be thinking about, can this guy help me win a tournament? Can this guy help me win a tournament? And if they can't help you in a tournament, they probably don't belong in your player pool for tournaments, right? You don't want a bunch of guys who can get you adequate scores at their price tags. So I come through the week, go through all the games, kind of keep figuring out my player pool. Every week's a little bit different in terms of the size of the player pool. As you can see this week, we've got Mahomes, Herbert Cousins, and Josh Allen at, at nine to 11%, uh, CJ Stroud at nine to 11%. So like really only five quarterbacks that I'm very focused on in this pool. But then we also have a little bit of Deshaun Watson, a little bit of Trevor Lawrence, a little bit of Lamar Jackson. Probably won't have these guys on tighter builds. But last week I had Baker Mayfield kind of in this 4 to 6% ownership range and really liked one of my Baker Mayfield rosters I came across, ended up putting him into one of my three max contests. So there is opportunity for one of these rosters to slip in. But as you see, I'm really focused on, on these guys. Same thing at running back, where we come over to running back and we see Tony Pollard, 38 to 46%. And then we've got, that's really the only super high owned running back. So clearly he's going to end up on a lot of my single entry three max stuff. Uh, then we've got the Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, those are the only guys that this 16 to 18% range. What do both those guys have in common? Well, wide range of outcomes, but a lot of ceiling potential. Similarly, we have Travis Etienne at 12 to 14%. We have Joshua Kelly at 13 to 16%. We have Alexander Madison, 13 to 16%. Raheem Mostert, 13 to 16%. And so, we have this opportunity for a lot of different running backs to make appearances on my roster because clearly I have high conviction on Tony Pollard and not high conviction on these other spots. And so there's sort of descending levels of ownership from there, which allows my 150 max rosters to sort of bet on all the different things that can happen. So I say that to say every week's going to be different for me. Last week I had like 11 quarterbacks. This week I really have five and then sort of three bonus guys. Uh, and so every week's going to be different in terms of what the slate provides for us and what my player pool is going to look like as a result of that. So I figure out my player pool 
And typically by Thursday night, you know, my, my player grid, I type it up on Friday. It comes out Friday night. The angles podcast comes out on Friday. My show with Pete, my show with squirrel patrol and rotor grinders come out on Friday. So I, I really have to have a good handle on the slate and on my player pool by then. So Friday night, I come up with that player pool. And then typically it's Saturday night when I start building that I go through all the games one last time and make my final decisions on who's going to be in my tournament player pool. And then I start figuring out the ownership that I want for them. So as you see, we have very specific ownership ranges applied to all of these quarterbacks. And if you add up the max exposure, it comes up to a little bit above 100%. If you add up the minimum exposure, it comes up to a little bit below 100%. Most of these guys have a, a, a two percentage point spread. These higher owned guys have a four percentage point spread. So we've got eight quarterbacks and that's going to be about a 20% delta. And I don't know the exact numbers, but this should add up to about 90 to 110%. So in other words, that gives the optimizer flexibility to kind of mix and match the pricing, mix and match the pieces so that we don't break the optimizer and it's able to kind of get me these general exposure ranges. One of the things that's really interesting to me is if you've been playing DFS for more than a couple years, you don't really have to overthink how the salary is all going to work out. And what I mean by that is, let's go over to wide receiver real quickly. So we'll see that wide receiver, and this is all sorted by price. So we can come down to these cheaper guys and you see that I've got 22 to 28% Tank Dell. And then I've got like the 8 to 12% Josh Downs. I've got the 6 to 8% Alec Pierce. I've got the 6 to 8% Khalif Raymond. Uh, what do Alec Pierce and Khalif Raymond have in common? Downfield roles, guys, you can hit for big games. DJ Shark, 4 to 6%. Uh, Braxton Berrios, 8 to 12%. KJ Osborne, 14 to 18% in that Vikings Chargers game. So again, we have enough cheap guys in my player pool that I'm not sitting here saying, okay, we need the salary to work out with, to balance the Tony Pollard's and the Justin Jefferson's. And so I need to calculate exactly how many cheap guys I need and what percentage of those guys I need. It, it sort of comes to you, right? I go through and I just put in these percentages without overthinking them. And if they, if they come up incorrect on the math in terms of like not the right percentage, then I massage them until they're correct. But I never run into issues where the optimizer can't build because it just doesn't have enough salary to work with it. There's always flexibility, enough flexibility because I've played enough DFS that I know what, what allocation of salary needs to be in my player pool and sort of what percentages. And that stuff's just going to come to you as you go through and fill out these um, percentages. So uh, quarterbacks, again, I just go through and, and the way I determine this is what does the slate give us? The slate is giving us this Chargers and Vikings game that is so much better than the other games and then giving us Patrick Mahomes in a probable blowout against the Bears. We know that Patrick Mahomes can post big games in blowouts. So some pretty high certainty stuff there. And then a decent amount of uncertainty behind that. So I account for that by saying, okay, on this week, I want a lot of Mahomes, Herbert and Kirk Cousins, and then kind of scale down from there on these other guys. Similarly at running back, we've looked at that already, but it's like, I have high confidence in Tony Pollard compared to what else is available on this slate. If this were a different week, I might actually have moderate uh, confidence in Tony Pollard, but given what this slate provides us, I have pretty high confidence in Tony Pollard. And so I account for that here. And then my next higher confidence guys are the Bijan Robinson, the Travis Etienne, the Jameer Gibbs, or maybe Jameer Gibbs isn't high confidence, but he has that high ceiling. Uh, so we want to you know, have access to that type of guy. Raheem Mostert, Alexander Madison, 
Joshua Kelly. And then you kind of have the next tier of guys behind that. And I apply my ownership numbers accordingly. Next thing that we want to look at is running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So there are six total spots on your roster that are going to be taken up with these three positions because of the flex spot. So these six spots to add up to 600%. And that is where it starts to get a little bit complicated. But again, it should actually come to you pretty easily. Uh, today, when I was putting this in this morning with the kids running around behind me and Abby still getting ready for the day, tight end, my tight ends came up to like 110%, so slightly off. My running backs came up to like 195% out of those two running back spots that need to add up to at least 200%. My wide receivers came up to like 415%. So like I just went through and put these numbers in and then they came out almost exactly right. I just had to massage them a little bit. Uh, if you're good with math, you can just kind of go through and quickly in your head, add up what these are. Uh, if you're not good at math, then grab your calculator and just pop these numbers in real quickly. And if I want, you can actually, um, this is pretty cool, but over here in the build settings, what I put is I want 0% uh, tight end in the flex spot. So I don't, I don't want any double tight end rosters. I'm willing to have as much as 15% running back in the flex spot this week. So given the way the slate shapes up, that's kind of what I would want my rosters to look like. That doesn't mean I'm going to have 15%. I could have 0%, but I I'm allowed to have as much as 15% running back in the flex. And then I'm allowed to have as much as 100% wide receiver in the flex. So because of that, my wide receivers should add up to about 400% in order to give that flexibility for 100% wide receivers in the flex. My running backs should add up to about 200% or a little bit above. And my uh, tight end should add up to around 100%. Now, again, tight ends, it's going to add up to minimum is going to add up to like 85. Maximum is going to add up to like 115. You want that wiggle room in between. And that's really, that's how I build my player pool. To me, it's as simple as that, right? When we got defense. I don't have uh, high conviction. Obviously, it's still Friday morning. I don't have high conviction on any of these kind of seven defenses that I've isolated. So I put them all at 10 to 12%. And then I fill out with four more defenses at six to 8%. Again, creating that opportunity for, um, you know, if I don't have high certainty, then it's like, who can hit? And let me just mix and match these pieces and end up with some rosters that will hit and some good rosters to shop through uh, for my bills this week. So I will pause there, Keegan. And bring it over to you for questions. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> do you, if you want to go back to the the flex spot where you were like messing with the percentages? Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's going to be in the build settings. And you got the flex parameters. Okay, flex, flex parameters, build setting. Okay, so... This can go higher than 100%. What is the max total it can go to? It could go to 300%. So all this is saying, and again, this stuff is explained, but not 300 there, uh, 100 for running back, 100 for wide receiver, 100 for tight end. This, and, and again, uh, Caleb's video literally just goes, it goes like tab by tab, you know, players, mm -hmm. build settings, team stacks, and shows you exactly what each of these things means. You can also hover over it for a, where do you hover over it for the description? Um, somewhere on most of these things, there we go. You hover over it for the um, for the description. So the sum of all of these has to be at least to 100%, but 
Um, this is saying it's not going to force 100% running back flex. It's just saying you're allowed to have as much as 100% running back in the flex. You're so, allowed to have as much as 100% wide receiver in the flex. So this week I want no tight ends in the flex. So I set that to zero this week. I want, I, I'm like, I, it would be nice to have, I think that four wide receivers is the optimal build this week, but because most people will recognize that three running back builds will be more unique. And therefore I want to have the flexibility to have at least 15% running back in the flex. It might end up giving me 0% or 5%, but it can go as high as 15% running back in the flex. So when you don't do 300%, are you giving the optimizer some flexibility of its own? If you do 300%, you're giving the optimizer maximum flexibility. You're saying, hey, we could have 35% tight end in the flex. We could have 45% running back and we could have 20% wide receiver. Uh, okay. The lower the numbers, the less flexibility you give the optimizer and the more you're putting your stamp on it and saying, I want this. So what I'm, what I'm telling the optimizer now is I don't want tight end in the flex, but I'm willing to have as much as 15% running back in the flex. And then I could force that even further if I really wanted 15% running back, like make sure I got there, then I can make sure that my running back exposures added up to, you know, 210% to 240% instead of like 190 to 220. Um, because then that would basically say like, hey, we want this running backs, these running backs add up to 210%, which spills over from the running back spot. It forces some running backs in the flex. Okay, sweet. Um I mean, that's really it. I have maybe some questions like later down the line about like how you choose which players. I guess it's all very opinion based and that's because it's every person's different. But Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's so like, let's look at the running back pool, for example. Um, so what this week gives us. Obviously, Bijan Robinson is is never Tony Pollard saw 32 touches last week. And let me actually rewind this 8k and above price tag used to be something we didn't see and once Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson came into the NFL and this is like before your time but this was 2015 or 2016 and David Johnson was with the Cardinals Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers and they were basically using him the way Christian McCaffrey's used okay where Le'Veon Bell and and David Johnson every week would see like at minimum seven to eight targets and a lot of times they'd see 10, 11, 12 targets. And then they would also see 16, 18, 20 carries. So take Christian McCaffrey or take Austin Eckler with like an extra six or seven carries, right? And when that happened, these running back price tags started going up and up and up. And then those guys got their second contracts and their bodies were broken. And, they, and so like, these teams and several other guys, Todd Gurley got a second contract and his body was broken. Now these teams were paying big money for these running backs who were past their prime because they'd overused them. So over the last few years, most teams now, it's rare that you see a running back play more than 70% of the snaps. Most teams have these multi-back backfields and there's some level of split there. So you don't get these 30 touchbacks. So last week, Tony Pollard touched the ball 32 times. So when you take that 8K price tag, like – not only does that raise his floor, but it increases his chances of like a 40 point game. You know, I was looking through his game logs last night and he had these games last year where he had 14 touches and 30 points, 16 touches and 30 points. So imagine if he gets 28 touches, you know, in a good spot and ends up having one of those big games, like he can go for 40 plus. 
Bijan Robinson, on the other hand, is going to typically be limited to this 18 to 24 touch range. So when he's carrying the 7,800 price tag, A, he needs massive efficiency to put up one of those 30 plus point scores because, hey, he's getting 20 to 24 touches. So is Raheem Mostert at 6K. So is Kenneth Walker at 6,200. So is Miles Sanders at 5,700. So you're really betting on, man, like, man, Bijan Robinson is so good that he's going to outperform these guys by this much. He justifies this salary at a similar workload. Now he's going to see a little bit more targets than some of these guys, which helps as well. But that kind of helps me understand like what's available on this slate. When we go up at running back, you know, it's pretty thin this week. You're kind of either betting on extreme efficiency from these guys, or, you know, it's, it's going to be, what are B. John Robinson's paths to a 40 point game? They're very slim. It's going to be something that happens for him every two or three years, as long as the Falcons are running their offense this way. Same thing with Travis, Travis Etienne. So he can get up to 30 points, but can he really blow the slate away? Probably not. So typically then we would move over to wide receiver, but we've got Stefan Diggs in kind of a middling matchup and like, he'll probably have a good game, but the chance of him going for 35 or 40 aren't very high. Uh, we've got uh, Tyree Kill, as you see, isn't even in, in this player pool for this exercise, but Tyree Kill, if we're expecting Jalen Waddle to be out, that's more targets for him, but also a lot more attention on him at his price tag. Like, does he get to 25, 30? Maybe, but what are his chances of a 40 point game? Pretty low. C.D. Lamb in a game the Cowboys should control. What are his chances of a 35 to 40 point game? Very low. So you kind of have like Justin Jefferson who can go for, for 35, 40 plus. Then you've got kind of these guys down here, like Gabe Davis, Mike Williams, uh, these guys who it's like, man, something could happen and they could have a, a monster game. But in terms of where you're paying up this week, there's not a lot of places where 35 to 40 pointers look like something we can isolate and target. So because of that, Tony Pollard ends up for me like, okay, this is the size of my running back pool. And how many of my rosters do I want to have Tony Pollard on? Probably like 38 to 46% of my roster, probably around 40% of my rosters. I try not to go above 50% on any player because in MME, I want to still give my myself paths to winning if this guy misses. And then when we get down to like, um, let's say a Brian Robinson, I have him at four to 6% here. So clearly that's a low confidence bet, but I also recognize like, here's a guy who's going to get 20 plus touches and anything can happen. He could put up six or seven points, but he could also put up 25 to 28 points. Now, then I kind of start thinking, okay, if I had him on 10% of my rosters and he bombed, how would that make me feel? And he'd be like, man, I would be pretty annoyed that I wasted 10% of my rosters on Brian Robinson. So you kind of start scaling down, scaling down, and you find that range that you're comfortable with. Jerome Ford, and then this is again, it's Friday morning. This is not exactly what my player pool is going to look like. I never play running backs against the Titans, but I might want to account for the fact that Jerome Ford will be somewhat popular. He catches passes. Uh, maybe Kareem Hunt's not up to speed and Jerome Ford's getting 80% of the snaps. And so... I've got him right now penciled in at eight to 10% because like, okay, if he bombs, I still have 90% of my rosters, but if he hits, I'm behind the field's ownership, but I still have a shot this weekend because I've got like, if Jerome Ford goes for 30 points at 4,800 and he's 15% owned, I still want to have some pieces of him so that my large field play will have some shots at him. Uh, similar with Craig Reynolds, right? I expect him to get, if David Montgomery's out, I expect him to get eight to 10 to 12 carries. But what if they decide like, man, we're not just putting all this on Jameer Gibbs. What if they decide, let's give Craig Reynolds 16, 18, 20 carries. And he has one of those two touchdown Lions goal line back games. So six to 8%, like, and you kind of think, do I want him on 12%? What would happen if Craig Reynolds bombs 
and I've got them on 12% of my rosters. How am I going to feel about that? Right. So you kind of start scaling down to find that range where you feel comfortable with the guy. Um, and then sometimes like last week, I didn't love the running back pool and my, I put all my percentages in and it added up to like 165%. Well, there's two running back spots. You've got to at least get up to 200%. So I had to like find the places where I could feel comfortable pushing up the exposure on different guys to kind of get to that level. This week, I have like one high confidence guy, then like a second tier of Bijan Robinson and Travis Etienne and uh, Madison, Mostert, Kelly, and then like a bunch of guys who I don't have confidence in, but can't necessarily separate one from the other in this other pool. So it's like, I have this larger pool, but most of them have smaller amounts of ownership. So that's how I kind of think about all of this in terms of uh, delegating my ownership percentages, if that, if that makes sense. So yeah, I'll, I'll toss it over to you with any other thoughts you have on that, other questions you have on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just starting to realize, I think there's a, a maybe a misconception, maybe just from me, maybe from the general public, but um, like the, the casuals um, that an optimizer is something that doesn't require much strategy and you kind of just throw together some guys, press a button and there's your teams. But in reality, you still have to do a ton of thinking as we're. Yeah. Saying. Yeah. And I think, so there, there is, um, you know, last week when I had had you know finished second and fourteenth and twenty third in the in the um, in the slant, and uh, Caleb was asking me like which settings I use in certain areas, um, because I, I think like a lot of opto users, it is just like let me massage the player pool a little bit, let me maybe change the projections on a few players, and then let me get my settings correct, right? And that's one way to do it. And I think you can go through that tutorial and, and you could use the optimizer in a totally different way. And you can use it in a way that maybe takes you 20 minutes and all your rosters are done. You know what I mean? But for me, and that's why I'm saying like, this isn't the way to use an optimizer. But what I think is cool about this is so many OWS members are hand builders and are three max or single entry players or five max or 20 max or whatever it might be. And they have a very specific idea of what they want their rosters to look like. And we talk so much strategy that we want to, we have a very specific idea of what we want our rosters to look like. So for me, as somebody who has played for eight and a half years without an opto, what I wanted to do was see how I could bend the optimizer to build my rosters. You know what I mean? So that's what we're going to actually look at next is another thing I do to make the optimizer build my rosters as opposed to just here's the projections because I don't rely on projections. So I don't want rosters that's like, okay, here's what the projections say. And here's what we're going to spit out based on that and a handful of rules. So the next thing that I actually do, we have this in here, it's called JM's defaults. So we have standard projections. We also have JM's defaults. And if you look through projected points, what you'll notice is actually projected value. So this is projected value of points divided by salary every single player is projected to hit 4X their salary. So if we go to actual projections, then we've got Tony Pollard projected at 2.67, we've got Raheem Mostert at 2.69, Jameer Gibbs at 2.5. Based on actual projections, everybody has kind of a different. And what the optimizer designed to optimize your rosters based on projections. So it will override your ownership, your exposure numbers to also make sure that you're getting the best possible roster based on projections. So what I do is I trick the optimizer into thinking all players are projected with the exact same value. 
So everybody here, Tony Pollard, 8K projected points, 32. Bijan Robinson, 7,800 projected 7.8K projected points, exactly four times that, 31.2. So this JM's presets is available to anybody in the Bink machine. You can just click over to this if you want to use this. But this allows the optimizer to default away from optimizing for projections and to instead build these exposures that I want. And I end up getting rosters that look exactly the way that I want. Um, so again, this is not quote the way to use an optimizer. In fact, I'm the only person who uses an optimizer this way. And now many of you will probably start using it this way as well, but this is a way to get it to build rosters that aren't based on projections, but are based on exactly what you want your rosters to look like. And this is why I say like for single entry three max, you can do this for a hundred rosters. It can take you an hour, hour and a half to put all this together. And then you run the rosters and then you can start shopping through those and being like, which ones stand out to me the most. You can pick out the, the 10 to 15 rosters that stand out to you the most and then figure out which of those you want to put into your single entry and three max play. Um, you have any other questions before I kind of look at the next thing that I do here? Yeah. I, I just want to say one more thing that kind of, I just now started realizing when you mentioned like shopping, because in my head, it was just like with the projections, it's making a lot more sense now because it's, it's a randomness of the, the AI or whatever, the code being able to create these uh, rosters with the salary that it has, but it, it's able to use the um, exposure that you want it to. Yeah. And it's great yeah. because you did it to where it's not using the projected value. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And what's cool about it is, so I'm going to look at one of these saved rosters that I have. Actually, I think I have to do. So let's, let's run a roster set. I'm going to press, I got 50 lineups. I'm going to press build. So we'll see, it's going to build these rosters. I'm going to build out these 50 rosters based on these rules that I've set. And once it's done, this we will be able to look over at my saved lineups. Okay. So this lineup right here, if you are listening, this roster has Justin Herbert, Tony Pollard, Bijan Robinson, and Justin Jefferson in it. How many people are going to sit down and hand build and think, all right, I'm going to have Justin Herbert to get exposure to this game. And then I'm also going to pay up for Tony Pollard. And then I'm also going to pay up for the other highest price running back in B. John Robinson. And then I'm also going to pay up for the highest price player we've seen all season in Justin Jefferson. So it doing the optimizer allows for builds. Now, now I also, you know, see, okay, Donald Parham is my only pairing partner with Justin Herbert. And I have to ask, what are the chances of Justin Herbert having a tournament winning game and Donald Parham is the only pass catcher who comes up with him. But the building this raw, like seeing this roster, I saved it just to show an example of like some of the things that the optimizer will do because it's not overthinking or, or setting off down a particular path and saying, okay, this is how you build a roster. Instead, it is taking the pieces I've given it and just putting them together, right? Uh, similarly we had, oh, well, okay. So that's the first thing I wanted to look at what I do then as, and, and we'll, we've got about 15 minutes till I got to get out of here for the show with Pete. So I, I don't want to spend too much time on any individual thing, or, or at least make sure that we get to everything. Cause we can also do another one of these next week. I think it would be cool to kind of, uh, do a few of these, but what I do is I build my, my lineups and I start looking through them to see what rules need to be applied. So I start looking through rosters to find things that are off on those rosters. So 
over here in my saved lineups, I set aside this Josh Allen roster as one that we could talk about where I came, uh, you know, built 50 rosters and then started looking through them for rules that needed to be added. So saw Josh Allen and saw that Dalton Kincaid was the only partner with him. Well, same as we just said with Justin Herbert, what are the chances that Josh Allen puts up a tournament winning score and Dalton Kincaid is the only guy on the bills who Josh Allen is bringing with him. So as I start shopping through my rosters, this is the other place where I mess around a lot is my rules. So with Josh Allen, we go to the Josh Allen rule. And again, this is all explained in Caleb's tutorial of exactly how to do this. But we have Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Gabe Davis in this pool. And this rule says, Josh Allen, you see this blue anchor that's clicked on him. It means if this roster has Josh Allen, I want at least two of the players in this pool and as many as three of the players in this pool. So now when I run my roster sets, every Josh Allen roster will have at least one of Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Similarly, after I saw the Donald Parham roster with, with Herbert, I came in and set a Justin Herbert roster. Well, if Herbert's having a tournament winning score, that probably means that Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are coming with him. So I set Justin Herbert anchor, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and every roster with Justin Herbert has to have at least two players from this pool and as many as three players from this pool. Now, if I set this to two, that would mean my Justin Herbert rosters would have either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, and there would be none with these two guys paired. Since I have it at three, it could be Herbert plus Mike Williams or Herbert plus Keenan Allen or Herbert plus both. Uh, similarly, we can go down to a player like Gabe Davis. We talked, and this is really cool that, that you can do this in the optimizer. We talked about uh, last week about how when Gabe Davis hits, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs almost always hit as well. But on this particular week, I'm also seeing that there's a lot of ownership on solid plays. A lot of ownership on, you know, uh, Keegan, you brought up Michael Pittman yesterday that your dad asked about. A lot of ownership on plays like that, where it's like, this guy probably won't bomb, but he probably won't win you a tournament. So I'm thinking, okay, how do we separate on this week's slate? So guys like Gabe Davis, who can go for 30 points, guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who can go for 25 to 30 points at low ownership, I want to be a little heavier than the field this week on those guys. Because if those guys go for a 25 to 30 pointer and everybody else is kind of chasing these 15 to 18 point games, I can really start separating from the field. So this is kind of one of those weeks where a lot of my rosters are going to get finish way behind those solid players or finish way ahead of them because I'll take these wider range of outcomes players. So this week, I don't necessarily want Josh Allen on 100% of my Gabe Davis rosters. I don't need to force that rule because I'm going to have some Gabe Davis solo. So this week I set this rule. If I have Gabe Davis, I want all three players in this player pool. See the three men, three max. So I want Gabe Davis plus Stefan Diggs plus Josh Allen at least 60% of the time. So it doesn't have to be 100%. So that means when I have Gabe Davis, the optimizer is going to make sure that at least 60% of those Gabe Davis rosters have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs on them, but that will also leave wiggle room for other rosters that just have Gabe Davis on them. So for me, you know, as I'm creating my player pool, I jot down some rules, but generally speaking, I find the rules by building 50 rosters and looking through them and starting to see, okay, what still needs to be pushed around, what still needs to be added on these rosters. Now, a quick tip here, always build a few rules at a time and then run the optimizer. Always change a few settings at a time and then run the optimizer because every once in a while you'll do something that breaks the optimizer and it can't build for you. And if you've put together 50 things, 
you can't isolate what it was that's causing the optimizer to break. So I always do a few things, run a set of rosters and actually look through those rosters, just kind of keep seeing rosters on the week, add a few more things and run those rosters. Um, so yeah, Keegan, any questions on, on that? Uh, no, that was pretty, pretty black and white. Pretty cool. So uh, now we have, we can start looking through some of these rosters. We see we've got uh, a Kirk Cousins roster with KJ Osborne. This roster does not have a bring back from the, am I right about that? Yeah, this roster does not have a bring back. So the next thing I would want to do is, and what I'll do is I'll have a, a note on my computer and I'll just mark down five or six rules at a time that I want to add. So I want to add a Kirk Cousins rule that if I have Kirk Cousins, I also have at least one player from the Chargers on that roster. So that would be the next rule that I would go out of my way to add. Uh, here we have Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers. Um, nothing really to change about this rule. I have a rule that I want Patrick Mahomes on 80% of my Travis Kelsey rosters. That leaves space for something like this, where Travis Kelsey is on a roster for um, a different quarterback as well. Uh, here we have a really cool roster where it's giving us Craig Reynolds and Raheem Mostert in a totally different salary allocation at running back than most people will have. Most people, it looks like, are gravitating toward K.J. Osborne this week instead of Addison because they've had the same number of targets, but Addison is higher priced as the guy who's hit so far. Uh, so we've got Jordan Addison on this roster, along with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. We've got Gerald Everett, ideally taking away points from the other pass catchers on the Chargers. Gerald Everett, I have like 5% exposure to in this pool, but he gets thrown onto this roster and, and kind of gives me something unique on this roster. So again, we kind of go roster by roster, and, and I usually go until I have four or five new rules to add. I'll go add those rules and run another set of rosters. If I find something I really like, I click the star to save that roster and it goes over to my saved rosters. And that way I don't lose something from th that I really like as all these builds are going through uh, and just kind of keep adding to that set of builds. So yeah, I mean, that's really how I use the optimizer. For me, it's uh, and in build settings, I turn all the ownership stuff up to its broadest ranges so that the optimizer isn't worried about that. I turn projected points randomness up to high on everything because everybody's projected at 4x their salary. So this kind of forces the optimizer also to, to you know, what's running this set. Maybe these guys are projected a little bit below. These guys are projected a little bit above. It gets a good mix and match. I set salary range really broad just to make sure we don't break the optimizer. And, uh, and then as, as, as we get closer, like my real build, I can tighten this up because I don't really want 1500 in salary left over. So I can kind of keep tightening this up to maybe 49.3 K. Um, and then this week I usually put my, my ownership exposures as strict so that the optimizer is kind of forced to really follow what I want. But this week it was breaking the optimizer. So in other words, the salaries didn't quite line up with my ownership percentages and it wasn't able to build 50 rosters with with what I had set. So instead of going through and trying to change all the ownership settings and figure out where the mistake was, I just came over and switched this from strict sensitivity to loose sensitivity. And then it tells the optimizer, this is what I want for ownership, but if you need to move pieces around in terms of uh, prescribed ownership, it's okay to do so in order to create rosters that are actually able to be created. Um, team stacks, I don't really have to touch any of these because um, in terms of like how many players from each team I want, that's already set through my player pool. And uh, player groups is really the other main place where I'm going to be in, in building out these, um, these rosters. So yeah, that is, I think, everything on, on my end. So we've got a, a, 
like four or five more minutes. You got any more questions, thoughts, um, things you want to bring to the table on this? Um, I really want to play around with this myself um, just to figure out if I have any questions. Um, I had one. If you want to go back, maybe like to what you're messing with. Over here? Mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> Team stacks? It, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay, okay. So can you not like stack just every team? Like wh why wouldn't you just want to stack every team basically? I mean, I don't want Josh Downs stacks against the Cowboys. Um, I don't want Sam Howell stacks against the, the Bills this week. And and that and that's what I'm saying too, is like if you just run it based on projections, your method's gonna be totally different. You could leave the player pool alone. You're required like by the rules to change the quote, change the player pool a little bit. Otherwise, like everybody just comes in and does the same settings, but you can change the player pool by removing a backup quarterback from the player pool, removing two backup quarterbacks from the player pool. And that counts as having changed the player pool and then the optimizer will work. And you can just run it based off of projections and change the settings. And you can focus, instead of focusing on player exposures and the players in your pool, you could instead focus on build settings where you can kind of mess around with the flex parameters and, and what you want your ownership numbers to be. And again, Caleb explains all this and how much randomness you want in the projections at each position um, and the team stack stuff as far as like how many players from each team will you allow to be stacked? And um, this is a really cool one, max max flex number. And that's like max number of players from one team that can be played without the quarterback on that roster. I actually do typically mess around with this. I set it to one across the board and then I move it up to two on the, um, on the teams where I'm willing to have two pieces without a quarterback um, individually. But uh, you can do it that way and like never touch the stuff that we've just looked at. So that's more what I do. Obviously, I want to have like complete control over what my rosters look like. And I think that most people don't understand. Most people probably think of an optimizer as something that's going to just build you sharp rosters based on projections because that's designed to do. So to me, it's really cool to have, scrap the projections, build really great rosters based on my player pool. And the way that I would, if I were sitting down and building on 150 rosters, what I would want, want my rosters to look like. And so kind of the way I approach things with calling down the player pool and, um, and setting the exposures and then putting in the rules kind of creates my hand-built rosters, but smarter than I build them. Because again, I'm not gonna sit there and say, okay, Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, Justin Jefferson, and an expensive quarterback, right? But the optimizer can do that. And then I can see like, oh, that's a sharp roster. And obviously that one didn't work because of Parham being the only stacking partner with Justin Herbert. Like it starts to pull forward rosters like that, that you wouldn't build yourself, but that you wish you would have built. And so then when you shop through all your rosters, you start seeing these ones that's like, whoa, that's a dope roster. You know, like artists all the time, like a musician will be like, man, like this is a song that I wish I'd written. Or, or filmmakers are like, this is, a, this is a movie I wish I'd made. It's like, you get to do that with the optimizer. It's like, whoa, this is a roster I wish I'd built. Like, this is the roster I wanted to build this week. Um, and just get these really sharp rosters. And then you, you did build them because you put in the settings yourself and you get to put those rosters in. You're the only person playing them. Um, but you didn't have to go through and like 
break the rules and you're thinking to build them like they're built for you just have to spot those sharp rosters and put them into play awesome i am gonna mess around with that a lot today tomorrow sunday morning um (laughs) and uh see if i can maybe win some mme win some yeah you know and i talked to you about playing the quarter arcade the 25 cent and and um, MMEing that because if you plan, you know, you typically play about 200 bucks a weekend. If you throw 37 50 in there, it gives you great practice with, um, did I do the math on that? Right. Whatever the, the amount of money is that goes in on that. Um, you, yeah, I did do the math on that. Right. Okay. Uh, you get good practice at the MME stuff. You give yourself a chance, like additional sweats on the weekend, but also you get to build all these rosters and your single entry and three max rosters will be so much sharper, you know, like, I, I have practiced with this, but not a ton. This is going to be like my 11th slate playing with an optimizer, right? You get the hang of it really quickly. I put all of this stuff together this morning for the show. Like obviously kind of knew my player pool, but put this all together this morning for the show with the kids in the background and all that uh, and took, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to set all of that up. And you could do that even if you're never playing MME and just then run a hundred rosters and now you've got a bunch of rosters to pick from and you can find these really sharp rosters for single entry and three max. So, um, so yeah, super I'm, cool. I'm at 200 last, last question. Then we can, you know, finish up. I'm a 200, you know, you roughly $200 a week player. Would it not be smart to do like a dollar entry into like 150 max like entry? I don't know that there is a tournament that's $1, 150 max. But it would be because um, you're going to extra to go to single entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's all it's all depending on what you want to do. Like it wouldn't be it would be sharp to do only MME if that's what you wanted to do. You know what I mean? Um, So there's no like prescription there. It's more about I think it's sharp to do some MME if you're able to. Um, But I don't think there's a, a balance between like and you should also have X amount of single entry three max because it does take a lot of pressure off too to just do the MME. You you put together a really sharp player pool and put together sharp percentages and player rules. You have 150 sharp rosters. Like every week you're gonna have some that finish in like the top 0.2%, 0.1% of the tournament field, and, and you'll have some sweats almost every week. So um yeah, definitely, definitely no like restrictions there. Uh all right. So with that, show with Pete is is a live show. It starts in one minute, so I gotta get out of here. Uh Keegan, thanks for hanging out as always. Yep. Uh, fun to do this looking forward to questions from you this weekend and we'll probably look at this again next week so that you can kind of talk through things after having used it for a weekend and and kind of keep keep helping users learn uh how to get the most out of the bink machine with that we will see you on one week season throughout the weekend and we will see you at the top of the leaderboards in week three 